On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about challenges facing our young people today, and they are numerous. And as parents and adults that are concerned about our young people, we need to understand what those challenges are so that we can address them. And we're going to talk about that on the virtual Bible study. We hope you'll stay here because we're getting started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, June fourteenth, two 2018. We're glad that you're here tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is preaching in Ohio tonight. And in his spot again this week, uh, Monty Overton is here. Monty, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Jay. It's good to be here. Glad to have you here. Uh, Anthony Petrachko is behind the controls tonight. Anthony, welcome to the program. And no microphone there, Anthony. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, you're out of you're out of uh, practice here. It's way over here. There you go. Glad that you're here, Anthony. Look forward to your comments, and uh, we're glad that you're on the other end of the line tonight. Look forward to hearing from you at eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Email questions at collegeview.com. Those are ways you can contact us at any time. And if you're watching us on the program live tonight, sign in the chat room with other listeners and share your comments there. We look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. I want to remind you about our community Bible study coming up in just a little over a month from now, uh, July 23rd and 24th uh, in uh, Columbia, Tennessee, at the Memorial Building in downtown Columbia. We'll be having a, a community Bible study. Where we're going to present evidences for the existence of God to combat some of the challenges that uh, folks in our society today are facing, uh, maybe especially our young people. So you'll want to, if you're anywhere around, want to make sure you make plans for that on July 23rd and 24th. Be staying tuned for more information on that community Bible study. And if you'd like a bumper sticker to help us get the word out about the program, send your snail mail address. Two questions at collegeview.com will get you a bumper sticker or two in the mail at no charge if you'll help us uh, spread the word about the program. You know, the price is so good, I got four of them. You got four? Yeah. Wow. One on each vehicle and two on the back of the camper. Wow, that's great. And they work. They work. They're, they're doing their work every time you drive. That's right. All right. Um, Monty, uh, certainly there are numerous challenges. When uh, you were a young person, there were challenges. There are challenges today as well. Those challenges probably are similar in their uh, temptation, but maybe slightly different in their approach and their avenue. You know, we've the basic types of temptations that we have are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And so I think any temptation to sin, any type of sin, would fall into one of those three categories. Mm-hmm. But I think we've got more opportunities or more ways to get into those categories today than we did when I was younger. What do you think about that? 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. Earlier today to our update list, we asked you the simple question, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing young people today? And do you think the challenges facing young people today are greater than the challenges faced by past generations? Why or why not? And then we ask you to comment on the following challenges that are facing our young people, the immoral media, the temptation to be immoral sexually, our society's focus on pleasure, our society's worship of youth and disrespect of the elderly. And then to conclude the study tonight, we want to talk about what should the church be doing to encourage young people? And finally, what is the most important thing that parents can do to encourage their young people? If you haven't commented on those, send us an email quickly tonight and let us know your thoughts or send in your thoughts in the chat room on a very important subject tonight, we believe, and that is understanding the challenges facing our young people. Um, Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, signed in with the greatest challenge facing young people today, in his opinion, is the lack of respect for the concept of authority. In homes where authority is not recognized, such opens the door to many serious problems. Young people who are not taught parental authority and respect will not respect civil law, divine law, or even basic civility itself. 
So a general lack of authority. Thoughts about that, Monty? Well, I agree with that. Uh, a lot of times we see relatively small children and their parents tell them to do something and, or tell them, come here, and the child says no and stands there or maybe goes the other way. So the children haven't been taught to respect their parents. Well, if they haven't been taught to respect their parents, if they've been taught that I can do what I want to and get away with it, then when you go to the aspect of civil law, driving within the speed limit or any law that you might think of, well, if they didn't have to do what mom and daddy told me, what would ever possess me to think i got to do what the law says? And if I don't have to do what those two things say, and I disobey them with impunity, then why would I ever believe that God, who I can't see or hear or, or detect really with any of my senses to begin with, why should I ever bother to worry about what he has to think That's about good, anything? Good points. Good points. Anthony, I think we live in a society that uh, boasts of our freedom, and we don't like being told to do anything by anyone. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I mean, uh, you know, we uh, as a nation, we started as a, I guess, a nation of, of rebels. So uh, I think that's strong in our society. Um, yeah, I mean, I hadn't thought of that as far as authority. I was thinking of other things when I saw that question, yeah. but I think that's a good it, it point. It is a good point. It certainly is a good, a good angle on it. Um, Daniel tonight uh, signs in. Dan says, uh, overall, I would say having a politically correct view of the world, such as acceptance of transgender, lesbian, and homosexual lifestyles, for one example, the Bible teaches against such things in Deuteronomy 22, verse 5, Romans 1, 26, and 27, and Genesis 19. And so Daniel says maybe the pressures of our society, the things that our society is accepting and pushing uh, and trying to influence our children to accept those things as well. You know, when you think of the politically correct aspect, it makes me think of you know, when we think about politics in general, we're all the time seeing on the news or hearing about in one form of media or another this politician that violated the, got, the law and got in trouble for this or got, you know, whatever, just so many different things. They're supposed to be our leaders. You know, leaders are supposed to lead in a way that make it easy for us to follow and, and to be good people. Well, our leaders are leading us down a bad path. Uh, I remember when Bill Clinton got in trouble for the sexual scandals with Monica Lewinsky and others uh, and, and the lies he told about things like that. Well, this is our leader, and people will say, well, the president did it. It must be okay if I do it. Yeah, yeah, uh, and we can't uh, expect necessarily that our society will be better than its leaders. Mm -mm. They're setting the precedent. Well, our leaders are taken out of society, so you know they they're, they come from amongst us. They're not a special, genetically bred people just for being leaders. So we, you know, they're going to be like we are, and we're going to be like they are. So it's a vicious circle. Uh, it reminds me of something that King David said in Second Samuel chapter twenty-three, verse two. He said, the spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spake to me, he that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of leader that we need. Sadly, our society is not uh, generating those types of leaders. Uh, we need someone who is ruling over men, uh, who is just and ruling in the fear of God. Uh, and so certainly... It is a bad influence on our children. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. What do you think is the biggest challenge facing young people today? Monty, how would you answer that question? Well, I believe it would be a lack of leadership, but I believe that lack of leadership starts in the home. Okay. Uh, we talk to people about raising their children. We read a lot about that in the Bible, especially the book of Proverbs uh, Solomon offered a lot of good advice from God, inspired advice from God on how to raise our children. But, I mean, like you discussed in your sermon Sunday night about disciplining your child, sometimes we have to give them a spanking when they misbehave. Mm -hmm. Well, our society has come to, to the term, to the idea that, oh, we should never spank our child. We'll damage their psyche or something like that. And even people in the church, well, I know that's what it says, but I still don't believe you ought to hit your child. Well, we're not talking about beating them over the head with a club or something like that. We're talking about bending over and spanking their behind in order to induce enough pain without damaging them so that they're not going to want to do this again. Mm -hmm. So a child is taught from the beginning quite often, even by people in the church, that there's no consequences for your misbehavior. Well, if there's no consequences, they'll do what they want to. So there's really this problem. We can blame it on lots of things, and there are lots of things contribute to it, but it begins in the home. And it's really because I think a lot of the parents have a lot of 
don't have a sufficient respect for God's word and what he says on the subject of raising our children. All right, so discipline, that, and that gets back <clears throat> into instilling and establishing this uh, this concept and this idea of about authority mm-hmm. uh, that uh, that Kent mentioned in his email. Anthony, yeah, how would you answer the question, the biggest challenge facing young people that you have trouble maybe narrowing it down to one? Um, not really. Uh, to me, um, the thing that first came to mind was really was social media, okay. <laughs> which is a little probably too narrow. Yeah, I think maybe just the internet and, and uh, you know the connectedness and the the, the technology maybe yeah. maybe would be the best okay. way to phrase it. All to right. me, that's just and I could go on and on for you know on a big soapbox about that. But uh, so technology, social media, internet. Um, is my biggest concern. All right. I wanted. Could I jump back to jump uh, back. the yeah. the previous comments? I think you know about the politically correct attitude. Yeah. I think, and as y'all were talking about that, what came to my mind was sort of the idea of secular. You know, the secularization of our society and culture okay. and world, really, all all across the world. You know, used to say back in the fifties, we always think about the the golden days of the fifties where. You know, it, there was prayer in school. It was, you know, people read their Bibles. People talked. You know, it, it was accepted. But now, any mention of God or, you know, you're you're kind of a oh, you're weird or you know, we don't want to hear about God, and which gets back to the politically correct thing. But just that secularization and trying to get rid of God from our society completely okay. is a major. Right. Force. Okay. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. Earlier, uh, we had a listener chimed in early before the program tonight and said, I know this is a little early, but I think it's short-sighted to only think these issues plague our youth. All of your examples in question three apply to older folks, too. In fact, simply drop young people from questions one through four, and you'll have a topic that impacts the vast majority of church members. I think I'd agree with that. I can't disagree with that at all. Uh, so maybe we're, we're concluding that our young people are tempted in similar ways that we are. Uh, but certainly we want to be aware and focus on that tonight as we show con, uh, some concern for their spiritual well-being and uh, suggestions on how we can maybe impact them for good. We'll take a break, and when we get back, do you think the challenges that young people are facing today are greater than the challenges faced by past generations? Why or why not? We'll get that question, and we'll get to much more. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Got a question about something you've heard on the Virtual Bible Study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. I'm Joel Gwynn, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with something for you to think about regarding our children. A survey published in the periodical Pulpit Helps analyzed the question of faithfulness among the children of churchgoers. The results are interesting. It was found that faithfulness in kids was not a function of the size of the congregation, the number of classes and special programs sponsored by the church, the effectiveness of the youth minister. Instead, here is what was discovered. In cases where both parents were faithful and active, 93% of their children remained faithful to their religious training. When only one parent was faithful and active, the percentage dropped to 73%. When parents were only reasonably active, attended services, but that's all, their kids remained faithful only 53% of the time. And finally, when the parents attended assemblies only infrequently, the children's endured at a mere 6% level. The results of this survey are interesting, but not terribly surprising. We've known all along that people, including children, often learn more from example than from the words they hear. That's why Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Matthew 5:16. Parents, have you considered applying Jesus' concept right there in your own home? Are you letting your light shine before your kids? Survey results. Our own common sense and the Bible tells us that this is the only hope that we have to bring them up fearing God. Here's some quotes worth pondering. The armor of God is awkward apparel for those who sit in easy chairs. Where complaining exists, thankfulness is absent. The big jobs of tomorrow are for the man who is doing today's small jobs as best as he can. A great man is always willing to be little. He who is too busy to pray is busier than God ever intended him to be. Man, wish I'd said that. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. And we're back on the program tonight talking about challenges facing our young people today. 
And the statistics are staggering. The, the studies say that the children and young people are leaving the church in, uh, at an alarming rate. Certainly there are many challenges in the society today. We asked the question, do you think the challenges facing young people today are greater than the challenges faced by past generations? Why or why not? Kent in Georgia says young people in former generations have always faced various challenges. However, with the breakdown of family of the family unit and a lack of respect for the very nature of authority within itself, such as making various challenges, young people face even more crucial. I was reared in a home where my parents were not members of the New Testament church. Obviously, this presented a problem where I had not been taught the truth of God regarding the concept of New Testament Christianity. However, my parents were individuals who had, an, had exceptionally high moral values and had great respect for the concept of authority. I was taught that the Bible was the plenary, verbally inspired word of God and that it must be obeyed. I was taught the severity or the sanctity of home of the home and that biblical marriage was one man for one woman for life. I was also firmly taught that the only reason for divorce was because of the sin of fornication and that the guilty party had no right pre remarriage period. I was also taught the sinfulness of premarital sex, drinking, movie going, dancing and drug abuse. It is sad that but nonetheless true that the majority of young people are not being taught these essentials. And so Kent would chime in and say, uh, yeah, it seems like uh, things might be more difficult and more challenging for young people today. You know, I, I knew a fellow one time that when he had a son and while the son was still a young, you know, a baby, somebody said something to him about the use of uh, smoking marijuana. He said, well, if, if my son decides later on he wants to smoke marijuana, I'll smoke it with him. So, you know, we can do it together. And, and he thought he had a grand idea to help him not to steer him around at things, but the son is later turned into a really bad alcoholic. So, I mean, his idea of participating with him in these things so he could learn to do it the right way and not overdo it or do it in moderation didn't work. Yeah. But because they weren't, he wasn't teaching him morality, as as Kent talked about. He was just teaching him, we'll do what we want to. Do what you want to do, yeah. Uh, (coughs) All right. Uh, Dan says, yes, because we have a lot more distractions, such as phones with Internet. Today, lifestyles telling us how to dress, which seems to be in the direction of a lack of modesty. After-school programs such as sports, especially where parents are allowing their families to be constantly on the road uh, for out-of-state sports competitions hours on end, all over just putting too much of their lives into their lives where they don't have time to study for their Bible, study their Bibles. He references Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Certainly he has some interesting points here. Uh, parents of yesteryear didn't seem to be as distracted and uh, their schedules didn't seem to be as full with these extracurricular activities uh, that perhaps are crowding out time for God and his word. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your steps. So here are your paths. They're not, we're not giving God time to direct our paths, I'm afraid. Uh, and Dan makes some good good points there. Anthony? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as you look at, again, back to technology, we've, you know, we've, we've got so many more conveniences and, um, you know, luxuries today. We have more free time, you know, than we've ever had, but yet we're busier than we've ever been. Um, you know, I think there's something to be said about the slower pace of life, um, you know, that gives families more time to communicate, you know, pe- families you know, you hear statistics about they don't eat together anymore. There's no more meal times. You know, everybody's good doing their own thing and going their own way. And then, of course, we've all seen families out to eat at, at a restaurant, and they're all looking at their phones and not yeah. even looking at each other, much yeah. less talking. So right. definitely an interesting point. All right. So uh, seems to be unanimous consent that uh, challenges are greater than they were used to be. Uh, maybe greater than they were a few generations ago, but I don't think they're necessarily greater than they were when Noah was raising his three boys. Uh, I would say that the challenges that he faced were much greater in that day when every thought of man's heart was wicked, uh, yet he was able to raise three boys in that uh, at that time. So I would uh, maybe greater than they've been in recent past, but perhaps not the greatest they've ever been. Uh, as we look at, at history. You know, as we think about it being greater, 
I think about back in New Testament times when Paul like went to Athens and seen all these temples and he, uh, and all these idols in the, that was set up for one thing or another. Uh, we know that there was temples where there was ritual prostitutes there where you know you could go in and supposedly as an act of worship to whatever this god was commit fornication and so i don't know that really they're greater i think maybe because of all the media and the technology we have we are maybe more aware of them than than maybe some generations was That's true i think That's some true. generations maybe one or two generations back they didn't have the, the opportunities to engage in some of these things as easily or didn't know about them as much they were still there in places but you know People was living a more rural lifestyle, so down on the farm, you didn't know about so much what happened in town or wherever these things would have took place because you was busy working all the time. So maybe the challenges wasn't quite as bad in some ways then, but they were still there. They were still things that they had to deal with. Yeah. You know, the temptations now, we're, we're more aware of them because of all the media and the technology, but they've always been there because, you know, they like I say, back in Bible times, there was these things. Uh, even back at the very beginning, Cain was tempted with not doing what God said to the point that he killed Abel to eliminate the competition for favor with God. So, you know, from the very beginning, there was temptations and challenges, and people, some people passed the test and some people didn't. That's right. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, and in the chat room tonight, if you're not signed in there, we'd love to have your comments and your feedback there. We ask for our listeners to comment on some challenges that we picked out that would uh, be challenges facing our young people today, the first of those being the immoral media. Now, certainly this is, as you mentioned, Monty, uh, different than it has been in years gone by. Um, the, the media is very immoral, and, uh, and access to the media is greater than it has been in the past. Kent in Georgia says the media is produ- uh, producing an ongoing work to lead young people away even uh, though some may have been taught God's truth. And so we're seeing that, uh, that folks who have been raising their children to understand God's truth, uh, the media is so great in its influence that it's been able to lead many uh, astray. You know, a few years ago, not too many years ago, we would have uh, to really preach about the television and the evils of the television and how much time people were spending with their television. And uh, we we used to have statistics on how many children had televisions in their room at what age, and uh, we were shocked and appalled. I don't think that's very accurate anymore. I don't think the television's uh, necessarily where the, the children are being exposed to media uh, predominantly. I think now it probably is the phones. Yeah. And uh, and Nielsen has a study on uh, this from 2017 um, the, about the age that f- kids get phones. When uh, the, the kids who have phones, what age did they get the phones? Just under half got their smartphone when they were between the ages of 10 and 12. Uh, the most predominant age was 10, um, then 8 years old. Uh, so they're getting them at very young ages. It's 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 shocking, Anthony. Yeah, I mean, I, it's again as I already alluded to, it's a big uh, issue for me. And um, it, it's the the iPhone. Let's just let's just be specific or, or smartphones. But basically, the iPhone. I mean, the the invention and introduction of the iPhone is going to have to go down as one of the most significant things that when we 20 years from now, 30 years from now, we're going to look back and say, wow. I mean, because of that thing, this thing, I've got one sitting here myself, but it, I mean, it changed the, the whole ball game. I mean, it's a game changer. We have all of this information, uh, all of these images, all of this right. media constantly with us, and it, it's changing, in my opinion, and there's probably studies to this effect, you're changing the way our brains work, changing our attention span, our ability to focus. Um, it's just, it's, it's, unbelievable um and so yeah uh i think it's that is a game changer and i think probably the biggest reason why um you know things are different as our first point things are maybe more challenging you know it's uh, this study went on and talked about the parents concern and there was a lot of concern that parents had about uh, giving their children uh, a cell phone (laughs) but here's the concern 77 percent of the parents said that they were concerned that the phone could be lost easily. (laughs) 72 percent of the parents were concerned the smartphones posed too much distraction, and 71 percent worried that their children would spend too much time on their devices. 
following down below those concerns was a lack of control of the content that their kids would see at 68%. So it, it, to me, it would be really easy to control that content. Don't give it to them. Well, it, yep, you would think. Uh, I mean, when I, th- when I think of an 8- or 10-year-old, I can't possibly imagine why a child that age needs one. Yeah. I mean, who are they going to be calling that they need to have one of their own? Uh, what's the purpose? You know, we didn't get our kids a, a cell phone until my daughter started college, and the only reason we got her one then is because we lived way over in Coble, and it was an hour to college, and some of the roads was kind of out through the middle of nowhere. So if she had car trouble, we wanted her to be able to contact us. So she was 17, 18 years old before she got one. And I didn't feel like she, I didn't get one until I was in my 30s, which a long time of that, it wasn't available. But I was living in that same out in the middle of nowhere place and working in Nashville 75 miles away, so I thought I might ought to get one in case I had car trouble on the interstate. I could get help because part of that interstate was out in the middle of nowhere. So it was actually a tool for a purpose. But as far as a 8- or 10-year-old child having them, what would they possibly need one for? Yeah. In my opinion, I don't understand. Well, and I think we need to stop and, and think about it as parents and as adults. Is what what do we uh, do? We need this kind of connectivity, this kind of distraction, or and how are we using it? Um, Proverbs twenty three verse seven says, "For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he." How are we thinking? And with the prevalence of the immoral media that's around us and so many new avenues for it to get to our heart, how is it influencing our thinking? Think about it as adults, but especially think about it for our children. What are they being exposed to as they think, as our children think in their hearts? That's what they're going to become. And and how is the media shaping uh, those thoughts? Anthony? Right, yeah. I mean, it, it's... And even just uh, just the media aside, just um, just these some of these apps, the way they're designed, you've got you know they're designed to to be addictive in nature. They're designed to, uh, and whether or not they're designed to, again they they change the way our brain works and they shorten our attention span and things like this to the point where the people who have created some of these apps are now coming out and saying. We created a monster here, you know, like, we're sorry, I wish we hadn't done this. Uh, I was just reading something in the paper. I've read many Hmm. articles of these Facebook, Google former employees are saying this was not, this is not good. We created, you know, this is a Pandora's box. Oh, wow. uh, Wow. It's when, you know, when it gets to that point, you know, something's something's wrong. All right. Uh, We certainly need to think about that. We need to think about. Uh, you know, even if we were able to keep our children, that we give them a smartphone and ensure that the only thing that comes across it is absolutely godly. There's nothing, nothing, no sinful entertainment at all. It's all pure as snow. We need to understand that just even that can crowd out God in thinking on godly things. Psalm 119, verse 9, beginning, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart I have sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We've got to be meditating and hiding God's word in our heart. And we've got so many things coming at us that we don't have time to stop and work on hiding God's word in our heart and our children need to be doing that at a young age as well well one of the reasons our children don't do it is because they don't see us doing it well that's true uh we're so wrapped up in our devices too our smartphones our computer or this or that that we're not really providing ourselves enough time to study god's word if we see our children if our children can see us doing this okay we need this tool to accomplish a certain task we use it for that then we put it away and they see us having a regular and dedicated time to study our bibles and they know that's what we do then they're more likely to do that theirself. But if they see us all absorbed in whatever our current distraction is and to the point that we don't have time for studying God's Word, then they're going to understand that studying God's Word is not that particularly important, and they don't have to do it either. Okay. We need to get a break, get this week's bullet point, and give you time to send in your comments. We look forward to hearing from you in the chat room, or better yet, on the phone at 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. There's more of the virtual Bible study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. 
It has been reported that American students are not doing well in important math and science studies. In fact, they rank about 25th in the world on achievement tests in these important subjects. However, it's also reported that the very same American students rank first in the world regarding how they feel about their math and science abilities. This is direct evidence of the overemphasis that has been given in recent years to the subjective matters of self-worth and self-esteem. Our educators have obviously worried too much about feelings and not nearly enough about real learning. We may be following the same mistaken agenda in our spiritual teaching. It seems that we've lost a sense of balance in our preaching and in our Bible class studies. We may be stressing certain feel-good themes too much while neglecting important instruction in matters of doctrine. The results tend to indicate this. We have a generation of Christians that don't know and can't explain simple doctrinal truths. Some could not even describe what the New Testament says about what one must do in order to be saved. It was once true that members of the Lord's Church had the reputation as people of the book. That's because they could defend the truth on a wide variety of Bible subjects. Members of various denominations dreaded and even avoided discussions with us because they knew that we knew the Bible and could answer their faulty arguments. Unfortunately, that reputation has been lost. Let's get back to teaching and emphasizing all the counsel of God while keeping back nothing that is profitable. Acts 20, verses 20 and 27. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile in South America, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program tonight. I remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us if you've never been to our website. It is thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Or if you've never been to one of our worship services, we would encourage you to come and worship with us. Find out more about our meeting place and time of meeting at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you have any question or comment about something you've heard or if you'd like to suggest a topic for discussion on a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study, maybe a question that you'd like answered, questions at collegeu.com is the email address to use. We're talking about challenges facing our young people on the program tonight. Certainly the media is, even if it's pure and wholesome media, just the amount of time that children are being exposed to that media is crowding out God, and sadly, a lot of the things that are crowding out God are wicked and immoral things, and certainly the media is a big challenge. We also ask to, for our listeners to comment on the temptation to be immoral sexually. To that question and that challenge, Kent said the proliferation of filth on the TV screen, social media, and the lack of parental control encourages temptation to be sexually immoral even among those who are being reared by faithful members of the Lord's church. And this is a challenge as well, Monty, is he mentions the, maybe the social media and the Internet uh, as, as being a, an avenue to tempt children into uh, being immoral sexually. You know, as parents, and, and we're responsible for training our children the way they should go, the Bible's very clear on that. Uh, maybe we need to eliminate that temptation from our households. I mean, whether it's the Internet or the TV or whatever, uh, on I don't have outside TV in the house anymore, but on the occasions where I'm somewhere where it is, there's really not much of any meaningful content to watch. What few is supposed to be entertainment shows seem just plumb stupid to me. Well, yeah, I, mean, I, agree. I would agree. I just, I, they seem so silly that I don't see any meaningful reason to watch them. And then they're typically vulgar. Uh, you typically see people on these advertisements and things that's promoting immoral activities. Uh, they're promoting the consumption of alcohol and, and all these other things that we don't need to be doing. And their dress is such that you don't need to be watching that show and exposing yourself to their nudity. So there's not a whole lot of meaningful reason to have that in the house anymore, I don't think. Uh, and then when we think about the Internet or the, the, the other forms of media or whatever information that we might have available in our house, if we had a, we wouldn't bring a rattlesnake into the house and turn it loose and tell the kids to play with it and say, "Be careful, it might bite you." Right. We wouldn't do that. Nope. All right. The internet in our house. I mean, we used to talk about this about the TV before we had computers and internet. You know that that in the house was such a bad influence. It's like the rattlesnake. Well, now the availability of the, all this information that's available, all these things we can see that we don't need to on the internet is a lot that same way. We might not need to have it in the house. Okay. I mean, I know people that make a big issue about not having a TV anymore, but then they'll have Internet in their house. Well, I think the Internet's more dangerous than the TV ever was. It is. It is. So we really need, if, if we can't find some way to completely safeguard the thing where there's no possible way of 
the immorality coming in through our house that way, we might need to get rid of it. Here's a shocking statistic about young people today. And this isn't necessarily young people in the church. This is just young people in general. And this is from a study back in 2001 by the American Academy of Pediatrics Committee on Public Education. They uh, published that, uh, according to recent data in 2001, perhaps the number's even worse now, 61% of all high school seniors had had sexual intercourse, and about half were currently sexually active, and 21% had had four or more partners, 61%. Twenty and half of those, almost half of the uh, high school seniors, were sexually active. Twenty-one percent had four or more partners. Now, here's the here's the problem with the media that we have today and the social media. Back in the day when you were growing up, Monty, you came home from school and you were in, out playing in the yard. Came in at night and your dad shut the door. You didn't have any contact with those kids. There might have been 61% of the kids in your high school that were engaged in immorality. But you didn't have contact with them when you got home. And if they called on the phone, your dad wanted to know who that was and what they wanted, if they if they ever did call. Nowadays, your kids come home from school, and they're with their ki- friends all night long on their phones and, and on instant messages, Anthony. And so now our kids have full-time access to this 61% of the kids who are engaged in morality, influencing them along those lines. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's one of the problems with, with the phones and so forth today is that that's how kids keep in touch. And, I mean, you know, they don't call and, and sit on the phone for hours, you know, back in the 80s or whatever. Right. Parents would get mad at their kids for tying up the phone line. That's long gone. Right. So kids don't even talk. It's all texting or, or Snapchatting or whatever. So, um, But you're exactly right that they're constantly being bombarded and notifications going off on somebody said this, somebody posted that. And you're right, they're exposed to, to that a lot more. And there's that even greater pressure that if they're not tuned, uh, you know, tuned in to those media channels, if you will, they're missing out. That's you right. Know? Um, when our kids, we homeschooled our kids for many years and they went to high school and immediately they were out of the loop because they didn't have smartphones. They, they couldn't, they didn't know what was going on. They didn't know when, there was this get-together or that get-together, but not even that. But they couldn't even do some of their assignments in class mm. because their teachers wanted them to pull out their smartphones and take a picture of this or or video that, and they couldn't do it. So yeah. it's uh, it's just a very different world. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. Timothy was encouraged in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Timothy was to be associated with those who were and uh, be living like those who are calling on the Lord with a pure heart. He was told to flee these things, these useful lusts, and then to follow after uh, things uh, of godliness. And we need to be teaching our children that today as well. Well, we have to ask ourselves how much fleeing we're doing when we carry it around in our pocket. Well, that's true. That's true. We don't get very far from it, do we? No. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. You know, if I was some, some type of physical danger that was threatening the well-being of our children, uh, Anthony, we'd be fighting against that. We'd be warring against that. You know, if there's, uh, there's lead paint in my house. Oh, we don't want that around my kids. We're going to do, we'll, we'll do whatever it takes to get that out of there. Uh, there's some type of... Uh, Wild animal out in the yard. We're going to do what we can to eradicate that wild animal. But we have these spiritual dangers, these fleshly lusts uh, that are warring against the souls of our children, and we turn a blind eye. Yeah, I mean, there's just no question. I mean, these temptations are not new, uh, but as Monty, I think, already pointed out, the uh, availability and... and, um, the prevalence of these temptations and access to these temptations is is at levels of we've never seen before. All right. I mean, you used to, you know, at least you had to have a TV and you had to maybe have certain channels on the TV. Right. Um, but now, I mean, all you need is an Internet connection and a, and a smartphone or a computer, and 
there's so much uh, that that is out there. That's so. right. All right. Uh, Dwight in the chat room says, not only the phones and computers, but movies and swimming pools, et cetera, are a downfall to our kids. Notice what he says. I like this. Do we busy parents raise and guide our families? And it is time, Monty, uh, as you mentioned, about leadership. It's time for us to take control of our families and uh, and to fight to protect them. You know, as 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 fathers and husbands in our household, we're supposed to be the spiritual leaders of our household. And it might be time for us to set our families down and say, look, I haven't been doing a good job. I've messed up. I've allowed these kind of things to take place. But we're drawing a line in the sand and saying no more. Yeah. You know, and we, we admit our failures. We're not perfect, and I don't think any of us profess to be perfect. So we need to be big boys about it. We admit that we've messed up, and this is how we understand we need to fix it, and we're going to head in that direction now. All right. I asked the question earlier today, how does our society's focus on pleasure pose a challenge to our young people? Kent says our society's focus on the pleasure principle, a.k.a. hedonism, is like throwing gasoline on an already raging fire. More individuals are being corrupted as the time progresses. And so the focus on basically if it feels good, do it. You know, we Pleasure at all costs, whatever it takes. That's the... That's the society that we're living in, and that society and that mindset is having an impact on our children. You know, we see that like on all sorts of media outlets that we see. Uh, you know, you only live once. Go with gusto and, and, and these kinds of things. And the focus of everything you see is do things that bring you pleasure whatever, at, at all costs, no matter what it takes to do it. It's not the question is, is it godly? The question no, that's is, it. is it fun? Is it fun? Is do I want to do it? And uh, and that's <laughs> the guiding principle, Anthony. Yeah, and, and that's the principle that is really behind us driving all this uh, transgender stuff and homosexual agendas and stuff. It's, it's well... If it comes naturally to me, quote unquote, then it, then it's okay. Leave, you know, don't judge my behavior. Let right. me do what I want to do. And so this has been sort of, you know, crammed down the throats for so many generations that the, this millennial generation is just anything goes. Yeah. Because you know, well, if I have this urge. Then it must be okay. I should be able to fulfill this urge, right. whether it means I think I should. I'm not this gender that I was born, or I should do this whatever deviant behavior. Well, it's not deviant. If I want to do it, then it's okay. Then if it's yeah, that's right. It's a, it certainly is the attitude. And this is the attitude that uh, Timothy or that Paul warned about in Second Timothy three verse verse one through five. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Certainly that is the, the mindset of many in our world today. Sadly, I'm afraid it's the mindset of some Christians as well. They love pleasure more than they love God. You know, I worked with a fellow one time, and we was having a uh, trying to initiate. I was trying to initiate a religious discussion with him, and he said he wasn't interested in God because he under he had enough of an understanding of the Bible to understand that God re- regulated who should he be having sexual activity with, and uh, if it was going to regulate that, he didn't want nothing to do with it. Yeah, so, I mean he. Pleasure was his whole focus in life. He was honest. And the only reason he was working was to have enough money to go have pleasures. He was honest <clears> enough <throat> to admit it. Yeah. A lot of po- folks aren't honest enough to admit mm-hmm. it, but have the same attitude. Yeah. We need to get a break. When we get back, we'll continue the discussion. We need young people who are not committed to the mantra, if it feels good, do it. If it's fun, that's what I want. Uh, they, we need young people like Moses. In Hebrews 11, verse 24, beginning, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Notice this. Choosing to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. We need to be teaching our children that rather than enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season, that we must be committed to doing God's will in spite of what our society might be telling them. We'll get a break and get your thoughts. We'll go to the top of the hour right after this. Don't go anywhere. You might miss something. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Hello, my name is Trent Haynes, and I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. In a scanning of the book of Proverbs, it provides us several reasons to discipline our children. To show you don't hate them 
He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Chapter 13, verse 24. To give them hope, discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. Chapter 19, verse 18. To help them for a lifetime, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not turn from it. Chapter 22, verse 6. To chase away foolishness. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Chapter 22, verse 15. To save his soul, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with a rod, he will not die. Punish him with a rod and save his soul from death. Chapter 23, verse 13 through 14. For your own comfort, discipline your child, and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. Chapter 29, verse 17. Parents need to read and understand these passages. So too should our children. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. The latest statistics from the Federal Reserve indicate consumer debt in the United States continues to increase, reaching nearly $3.6 trillion in April of 2016. According to statistics published by the Census Bureau, that works out to over $11,140 in debt for every man, woman, and child that lives here in the United States, and that amount does not include debt associated with mortgages. Roughly 26% of all consumer debt is termed revolving credit. This is credit that is repeatedly available as periodic repayments are made to the lenders. The most common type of revolving credit would be credit card debt. The other 74% of debt is derived from automobile loans, student loans, as well as money borrowed to purchase boats, trailers, and even vacations. That information is via moneyzine.com. The Word of God says in Psalms 37, verse 21, The wicked borroweth and payeth not again. Now that you've had your break, it's back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight, finishing up the discussion of challenges that are facing our youth. And certainly there are numerous challenges. Dwight says in the chat room, Hebrews 10 teaches uh, to stimulate each other to love and good works. We are very selfish when we put ourselves ahead of others. And Dwight brings up a good uh, point there. We need to be stimulating our youth to love and good works. And that is going to be... Perhaps, Anthony, a bigger challenge in a society we live in today, but no doubt it is still our responsibility. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, you know, we've, we haven't talked a lot about maybe one of the other challenges that, that, we, that our young people have is just self-centeredness. I mean, right. that's uh, you know, not necessarily unique to new generations, but every, everybody starts out somewhat self-centered. But I think as a society we've uh, maybe lost that, uh, that teaching you know, teaching our children to serve and to put others first and, uh, you know, help people in need, uh, that's that's huge. Um, yeah. And, you know, uh, before we leave the idea of, of the love of pleasure and uh, focus on pleasure, hedonism, it doesn't have to be bad pleasure. But if it's crowding out God, uh, I think that that's where the problem gets... You know, I think there's a lot of focus on our young people that they need to have fun. They need to, you know, enjoy their youth. And certainly they do. But there needs to be a focus on God and his will in that period of youth as well. And not a focus on fun to the extent that it crowds out God. In uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 9, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. We can't allow the let the kid the the children and the youth they're they're seeking a pleasure to crowd out god and a focus on him yeah i think you know we want we all want our kids to have great childhoods right we all want them to have a better childhood than we had we want them to have fun we want them to play the sports that we didn't get to play or couldn't afford to play you know and so i think when just out of the gate, maybe sometimes we as parents get so focused on wanting our kids to have so many experiences and to have so much fun. I think that's a interesting point where and we don't give the time for you know teaching them about God and and getting their priorities straight. Ecclesiastes twelve verse one says, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Monty, we need to be focusing our children on on godly spiritual things as well and not allowing the the pleasures to crowd that out well i think what maybe we miss out on is teaching our children that we can enjoy doing godly things i think we've got this idea that if it's not something that's a self-centered pleasurable thing that it's there's no satisfaction in it but we need to be teaching our children that serving god is 
we can find pleasure and satisfaction in that too. We can learn to enjoy associating with God's people. We can learn to enjoy uh, studying God's word together. There's lots of things we can do that are spiritually, morally uplifting and upbuilding, but where we think they're not fun. We don't want to do those kind of things. And it's because our attitude's bad. And our children learn that from us because when they see us not spending any time doing these spiritual activities, then they learn, okay, that's not a fun thing to do. Mom and Dad ain't doing it. They don't it, like it. So if they I? don't like it, why should I? There I'm not going to do it either. There you go. Uh, quickly, I asked uh, also to, earlier today, our, what is the danger that a challenge faced to our young people by our society's worship of youth and disrespect of the elderly? To that, Kent said, our society's worship of youth and disrespect of the elderly is an epidemic. Such has had a negative impact even upon some conservative local churches of Christ. I recently read an online advertisement for a preacher search where one particular church did not want to even consider preachers who uh, were of a 45 years of age or older. Isn't that amazing? I certainly recognize and respect the authority of elders in the local church, even in matters of judgment. However, it seems to me that such an arbitrary view without any exceptions, period, seems to demonstrate an unhealthy infatuation with pleasing young people, over having learned experience of preaching and teaching God's truth. Anthony, that's pretty shocking, isn't it? I guess as I get closer to that age, it seems uh, even sho- more shocking, I guess. But uh, no, you can't, we're not going to be interested in anybody older than 45 years of age. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I do think we need to stop and realize there's a lot of wisdom and experience and, and good advice and, and things in our in our uh older members of the church and, and older people in our society. I mean, some societies in, in the world and cultures have historically valued the elder, their elders, and I think it's been a great thing. But you're right. I think in America, we, you know, it's all about, you know, younger, faster, cheaper, you know, all that stuff. So. Yeah. I uh, guess 349 says, what happened to children being neither seen nor heard? Now we make them the centerpiece of life, and they're is a, a somewhat of a sense of that now that the, the world revolves around the youth. You know, I think that's the problem that with the idea Anthony was talking about a minute ago is, well, I didn't get to do this or that when I was young, so I'm going to, in effect, relive my youth through my children. Well, we get to focusing so much on this youth idea, and our, our children has got to do all these social things or they're not going to develop properly. Well, we didn't get to do them, and seemed like we didn't suffer in our development. And so... I, we, but we talk, we're teaching our children so much to focus on these youthful activities that we're, not, we're crowding out everything else. And they're not spending time with those who are older who mm-hmm. can guide and give them uh, godly counsel. You know, when we was talking about going to homeschool our children, we kept hearing this, oh, where are they going to learn social skills? <clears throat> they need to go to school to learn social skills. I didn't particularly like the social skills that I was seeing the children in school have, so why not I want to send my children to school to learn to be like that? Right. Uh the people that I wanted my children to emulate was maybe the older people, the more mature people that they would be around at church. That's right. Uh, the congregation that we was going to at the time was a relatively small congregation, but it had a lot of older people that I thought had great quality and character in their life, and that's really who I'd rather my children would be like than these uh, kids at school. You know, you're talking about 60-something percent of them engaging in sexual activity. I didn't want my kids doing that. I'd rather right. they would be like these mature Christian people. Yeah, you know, so that's who I wanted to socialize with. We're running out of time quickly, but, you know, Monty, if I wanted to learn some skill, for instance, maybe I wanted to learn blacksmithing. If I wanted to learn that, I'd go to someone who was an experienced blacksmith like you to learn the trade. But I wouldn't, if I wanted to learn it and be successful, I wouldn't go and get with Anthony and a bunch of other people who hadn't ever done it before and say, well, let's figure it out. But when we we push our children to be associated only with the youth, what we're doing is essentially that, is we want you to figure out life. And here, go with a bunch of folks who are all trying to figure it out together, and good luck. Rather than pushing them around to be around those who are elderly who have made good decisions or made bad decisions and turned from that and Mm -hmm. can instruct our children in the way of right. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. I think that's one of the benefits. We, homeschooling has come up a couple of times. Obviously, that's not what this program is about, and, and you don't have to homeschool your kids. But that's one of the benefits that I think people who do it recognize is that there's there's a lot more exposure to people of different age groups. They're not artificially crammed into a building with and only associate with kids their age, yeah. which is unnatural. Right. Um, right. It, it's beneficial in that way. Okay. So. All right. Quickly, uh, we're running out of time. 
I ask, what should the church be doing to encourage young people? To that, Kent said, the church needs to be to, to militantly and uncompromisingly preach and teach principles of authority, morality, the sanctity of the family, the destructive, na- the distinctive nature of the church, its organization, organization, worship, and work. We also need to place a strong emphasis upon that of biblical apologetics and Christian evidences in addition to constantly placing into practice scriptural discipline in the local church. And so Kent says that the church needs to be strong in doing what God has instructed it to do. Dan says organizing group meetings for Bible studies and one-on-one studies, especially for newly baptized Christians, so they don't fall through the cracks. Appreciate those comments. And then finally tonight and Perhaps uh, most importantly, what's the most important thing that parents should do to encourage their children? Anthony, I'll start with you on that. Wow. Uh, you know, I think, and you, you preached a sermon on this recently, Jacob, but I, I think the biggest thing that parents can do and that I would challenge all parents to stop and really think hard about is what, hmm, how are they showing God in their lives to right. their kids? Right. Are they are they closet are you a closet Christian? You know, would your kids really not even other than taking them to church three times a week? Is that all they see? And I think we, we tend to be kind of introverted and we don't want to show outwardly. Uh, we don't want to talk about God. We don't want to say in our lives. yeah, Yeah. We don't, we just, it's like, it's almost a taboo sometimes in some cases. So I think the biggest thing is, you know, be outward with your, you know, with your faith. Okay. Money? What would you say? Mine's similar to Anthony's, but I think the biggest thing we should do is live a faithful, godly Christian life before them in every aspect of our lives. Uh, If we're doing that, we're teaching them what's important, most important to us. If we can demonstrate to them that our most important thing in life is to serve God and keep his commandments, then we're teaching them and they'll they'll emulate that same type of thing, hopefully. But if we're not teaching them that, we're not living a godly, faithful Christian life all the time. They're going to know it. So then what we're actually teaching them is that it really doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. So I've got to teach them that God comes first in everything by demonstrating that in my life. All right. Uh, Kent uh, in Georgia quickly says, consistently teach and practice the scriptures in conjunction with child rearing and demonstrate a true love for each child and family member. Dan said, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way he will go, should go, and, the, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. He says that followed by showing them how to apply Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 in their lives. So be a good example to them along the lines of what you guys are saying there. Uh, Certainly, um, parents have a huge responsibility in uh, training up their children, as Proverbs 22, verse 6 said, um, and leading them, disciplining them, and guiding them in the paths of righteousness. Um, There are a lot of challenges facing the young people today, Monty. Lots of challenges and lots of avenues that the devil has that he didn't have before. Similar temptations, as you mentioned earlier, temptations that uh, people throughout time have been able to overcome. And God has not allowed us to be put into a place and not allowed our children to be put into a place that they can't resist uh, the temptations that the devil will present to them, but they certainly need our help. You know, I was looking for it uh, last night in our... Bible class in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, because I want to find it right now, I can't see it. But anyhow, it tells us that God is faithful and that he won't give us any temptation, allow us any temptations greater than we can bear. Mm-hmm. And for the temptations that we have, He'll he's promised to provide us a way of escape. So the temptations in some ways may be stronger or greater or more difficult to deal with in some ways we might think than they were in the past times. But God's promised he won't let too big a one come on us. And he'll he'll show that there'll be a way to get out of it. All right, Anthony. Final thoughts from you tonight? Oh no, I just I think it's a great program. Um, you know, again, I would just encourage our parents to to really pray about what they can. You know, pray for wisdom, pray Certainly. for guidance, and uh, and I was just thinking as you guys were talking, if I had to answer that question, I would just say, you know, slow down too. That's that, true. <laughs> that would be. My advice. Slow down, and uh, can't you can't be asleep at the wheel, can you? There's right. certainly so many challenges and uh, dangers out there that we've got to be vigilant and on guard. Certainly uh, some things for us to consider. Thank you for being here tonight, Monty. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you both for Thanks your for comments. And thank you to our listeners for joining us on the program tonight. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion 
of God's Word. We encourage you to make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.